The reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg. I'm Rob Steele, and we have got a whopping two news stories for you this week, but that's okay. We'll make it up with reviews of things that actually came out this week. Huzzah. I mean, seriously. It's 2021, and things have already been released, and we've seen them, and we'll let you know if they're worth seeing. But first, let's talk about something that's going to be coming a little bit later, possibly this year, maybe next year, and it is a TV show, but it's Marvel, so we'll see what happens here, has to do with Moon Knight, who a lot of people don't know, but that's okay. When you see it, I suspect this is going to be a really good series, because we've already got uh was it oscar isaacs has finally admitted he is moon knight i think because they they rumored him for a while and then he went no it's not me it's not me it's not me oh me (laughs) yeah apparently that's a contractual obligation to deny that you are in a project that's until it's wrapped (laughs) apparently which doesn't make a damn bit of sense to me but in news that should make lee very happy the villain is going to be played by ethan hawk yeah, isn't that cool? We have no idea who the villain is for the series yet, other than Ethan Hawke, and he doesn't necessarily need to be anybody at this point, I don't think. Yeah, that's pretty uh, spectacular news when they pull in a, an actor like Ethan Hawke. I'm not saying Oscar Isaac isn't interesting, and Hawke does genre stuff. I mean, he's in Sinister, which is a brilliant horror film, and he did premonition a science fiction flick so i mean he does genre films for sure yeah but when he does them they're good so if he's interested in doing moon knight that's just one more indication that yeah this this could be something even for marvel this could be something pretty special so huzzah but that's not the only tv news from comic books this week no we've got something from dc the green arrow spinoff green arrow and the birds of prey have you heard what happened to this I have not. They killed it. And the world heaved a collective sigh of relief because they kept Black Canary from the Green Arrow series. And I got to say, she is the worst thing in that entire series. (laughs) That's that's sad because that's a Black Canary is a cool character. I've forgotten who they cast as it, but I I didn't. I never liked her. I must. You mean in the. Green Arrow series it, or just in, in general? The series. I like no, okay, I gotcha. love the character in like in the Justice League series, yeah. in the books. I think she's great. But in the Arrowverse. I, I have to admit I've seen I've never seen the character in the Arrowverse because I gave up somewhere in season two. Oh, because, you saw her? Mm, well, she was she was quite forgettable then. Uh I just don't like the their live action TV is generally better than their live action films. True. But again, they have some really good concepts and it, and things have been done well on occasion, like Constantine, which we talked about last week. Uh, but overall it's just miss, 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 miss. Maybe they're hit miss, miss, miss. They just don't understand their characters, which is phenomenally terrible. How can you not get the basics of your character? I mean, I, I've talked about it probably eight times at this point, and this is nine because I don't care. When, when you have Robin, the boy wonder, gingerly trot down the steps instead of vault off a second floor balcony to save someone's life, 
you do not understand the character and you should not be writing or directing or producing a superhero series. It's like when you do stuff like that, I'm out. I'm done. That's horrible. So, Katie, yeah. Katie Cassidy played uh, played Black Canary, I suppose, in or Laurel Lance, not Dinah Lance, as she should have been. Although that was her full name, apparently. What? No, don't care anymore. <laughs> uh, she, okay. In Arrow, when he first came back from the island, there was his girlfriend who worked as, as the lawyer and was sleeping with the her his best friend. It's her. The excruciatingly, mm. painfully skinny-looking chick. And I apologize if this is coming out terribly sexist. But she... The, the, the one who had trouble with... Uh, acting <laughs> that's not good i mean i maybe she's good in other stuff but this was not it i i she was horrible from moment one did not stand could not stand her at all so anyway enough of that let's move on to you want some good dc news is there is there such a thing <clears throat> well kind of <laughs> This past week, a new straight-to-video, because it's animated DC movie, came out called Batman Soul of the Dragon. Now, I'm going to let you know right up front, it is rated R for language and a few beheadings and the mutilation of a pop prostitute early on. Lovely. It's one of those movies. But it's animated, and this is, I think, my one of my two problems with it. It's animated in what I'm calling NSD, which is the new Scooby-Doo style, which to me, it, it, it's, it's not as, it's not horrible, but it's not as good as some of the other animated stuff that they've done. But I think for this one, the story kind of makes up for it and it kind of makes sense in a way. Uh, it's not so much a Batman movie, though, as it is a Richard Dragon movie. If you don't know Richard Dragon, he's one of the best martial artists in the DC universe, along with uh, Shiva and Bronze Tiger, who are also in this movie. And it has to deal with uh, how they became the martial artists they are. And now I'm including Batman in that. Um it kind of starts off with a 70s Bond movie opening sequence, only only it doesn't have Bond, it has Richard Dragon. Which makes sense because it's a Richard Dragon movie. The movie itself, it seems to be set in the 70s because there's lots of disco music. And uh, it just kind of works because he's a secret agent now. So sure, why not? It's a good introduction for him. Uh, in flashbacks, we get a lot of how Richard Dragon and Batman met and Shiva met and Bronze Tiger met. They all met in Nanda Parbat, which is where you learn all your martial arts stuff if you live in the DC universe. Which works. Nice vacation. Um, but there's one thing in the flashbacks we find out. There's a gate. And the gate holds back something, but it's it's not a... It's not something you can see through the gate. It's a mystical gate because the gate is actually shoved up against a wall. So when it opens, it opens magically. So you can pick up the gate and move it. That took a little while to figure out because one of the nice. first things we find out is someone has stolen the gate. And you go, well, then whatever's behind it has escaped. You know what? Whatever. 
Uh, it was stolen by a Cobra cult, which may or may not be led by Copperhead. He was kind of a minor villain in the JLU. Um, they never give him a name, or if they do, I missed it. And he's also hired a hitman that looks a lot like kind of a cross between Richie, as in Jughead, Betty, and Veronica, and Richie Rich, somewhere between the two. He's a bit odd. Um, but you know what? Whatever. Anyway, Rich, Richard Dragon, Lady Shiva, Bronze Tiger, and Batman. Uh, Bronze Tiger, by the way, looks a lot like Power Man Luke Cage when he was back in the 70s. But I digress. They all get together and go looking for the gate. Um, it's you know it's an it's an adventure movie. It there's a lot of a Bond feel to it, which is fine. Um, I suppose there's an inconsistency in that Shiva, who constantly has swords, cuts a lot of people, and they bleed an awful lot. But there's never any blood on her blades. Just an inconsistency issue. They're clean, which is astounding. Um, and it, you know, the movie itself, it's actually worth a watch. I don't know that you'd want to go out and buy it so you can treasure it forever, but it's good. It's worth a watch. Uh, the ending is going to be disappointing because it, I'm not sure if it leaves on a cliffhanger or if it just kind of goes, and now we're going to do this closing credits and you kind of go, <laughs> oh, and it does kind of make sense. But at the same time, I wanted there to be a little bit more. Because I was watching the clock on this and went, you guys are starting up a story and we got two and a half minutes left and we haven't even run the credits yet. <laughs> uh, I'll save you the trouble. There is not a post credit thing. But for the most part, if you want to find out about Batman's some more of Batman origins and these other characters, it's not a bad movie. So how often is he Batman as opposed to Bruce Wayne training? It's just curious. I mean, just because of the premise, I wondered. Is like, is he, so he's already Batman, correct? At the beginning of the movie, he is Batman, but then okay. we have a flashback or several flashbacks. Um, about a third of the movie is flashback exposition, um, origin story stuff, and the rest of it is. I was going to say currently, but it's in the seventies, so the rest of it's in the seventies, which is current for the movie. Yeah, so. Right. Cool. Interesting. Is this is this an official Elseworlds or is this not? Do you know? They have not said one way or another. I think this actually does kind of because I it saw... could fit in with the rest of the Bat Universe. Yeah. But since they uh, when they did the Justice League Dark uh, Apocalypse movie, they kind right. of yeah. shut off that version. Right. Of their animated universe and started over with the uh, Superman Man of Tomorrow movie. So I think this might be going toward the origin of Batman in the new reboot. Cool. <clears throat> Which is not bad. Not shabbish at all. Not shabbish at all. So it, one uh, new one down. <clears throat> but it, it's not the only thing that came out, you know, comic booky this week. No, it is not. There, there was a TV series that had two episodes come out and it's something we've been looking forward to because it's been, it's been over a year since we had anything new from Marvel. Indeed. And we finally do have something <clears throat> new from Marvel. We are of course talking about WandaVision, which for those of you who thought 
when you first heard about Guardians of the Galaxy, what are they doing? This is so weird. Yeah. Marvel it's said it wasn't the Guardians of the Galaxy that we were used to. Yeah. Marvel said, hold my beer. This is easily the weirdest, strangest thing they've ever done. Doesn't mean it's bad. I rather liked it, but it's really weird. And by now, if you're listening to us, I'm sure you know the premise that uh, it is based. It is a basically a 50s, 60s style TV sitcom starring Wanda Maximoff and Vision, which is Odd enough, right? That's pretty weird premise. You'd think. Uh, and I was expecting it to be as descriptive that Wanda had created this, because if you know any of the, the history of the storyline, Wanda, and this is not necessarily what's happening in the series, but in comics, Wanda had a bit of a psychotic break and remade uh, reality to suit herself. So that was the assumption of most people thinking, well, you know, she couldn't handle uh, losing vision. So she just said, well, I'm going to put ourselves in this little, I'm just going to make believe that I'm in a 50s, 60s sitcom where everything is rosy and cheery and wonderful. Uh, that might not be what's happening. I actually don't think it is. Yeah, I don't think it is either. Uh, they're in a 50s, 60s sitcom, to be sure. They're in that well, reality. But it's a question as to whether or not she did it. And I don't think she did. But we'll get to that, right? Episode one was very much the Dick Van Dyke show. And episode two was Bewitched. Yep. To give you an idea of where these, these go. Yeah, exactly. They're, they are, which is, I think, is brilliant. Because they're not just set in one format. Even the op- the theme song, because the show has a theme song. The theme song is different. The opening credits are very different. And actually, I think it's there's very a hint in these opening credits because it's not saying um, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, starring Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. It's saying right. starring Wanda Maximoff, which is Scarlet Witch's real name, even though they've never actually called her the Scarlet Witch in this series. Nope. Uh, and starring Wanda Maximoff and Vision. Right. So I think that that right there is a big hint that mm-hmm. something weird's going on. Yeah, some, something very weird is going on. And you get hints of of the weirdness beyond with a little uh, stinger scene at the end before the credits roll. And again, it, it's weird because it, it, it's after the show, but before the credits, there's a there's a bit. Right. You kind of go, huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that happens in both episodes. So we can assume it's probably going to happen in all the episodes. There are no post-credit scenes, oddly enough, for Marvel. But then again... I don't think there's ever any post-credit scenes in their TV things. I don't recall ever being any. So, but if you're looking for post-credits, don't bother. Just enjoy the credits. Uh, but it's it's very odd because it's 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 not great 50s 60s sitcom comedy, but it's not bad either. It's very much on point as this is what those were like. Typically, uh, they've got good enough writers they could have. Terrific jokes. Uh, the jokes work, but they're just kind of obvious because they're 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 miming that type of show. So they're they're calling they're calling back to a lot of those plots. Uh, there's a funny little bit in the first episode where Vision is desperately trying to find out what his job is and what his company does. And he cannot find out because that was also typical of those shows. Dad came home from work, 
Didn't matter what dad did. We have no idea what the hell dad did. Yeah, well, I mean, you'd even get the office scenes. And the, what, are right. we, what exactly are they doing there? Oh, I don't know. Right. They all, they all know what they're doing, but it's all just so, so much on the surface because that's all it ever was in those shows. So in a lot of ways, this it's just brilliant. Um, the scenes that are funny, they're funny. Uh, this, the scenes, the interaction of, of far the personal stuff is, is better because that's what's really going on. Uh, just as far as their, their interaction, the interaction with the neighbors is great. There's the nosy, pushy next door neighbor who that's in every show that's in every show who apparently will have a little more, uh, in depth meaning, on uh, episode two, there's the meeting with the neighborhood queen. I don't mean literally queen because it could be in WandaVision, but but just, you know, the the popular lady who decides whether you are part and whether you fit in. And in both episodes, there are major scenes where there is a break in the reality of their sitcom existence. Uh, and they totally believe this is their world, but they have little things like they can't remember how, when they moved, when they got married. Not that that's a spoiler. Um, but yeah, so that, we, that's, in the, that's in the trailer. Yeah. We, we get these little hints of cracks that they know something's not right. They can't put their finger on it. They know they have powers. They use them all the time. They know not to let other people see that like vision changes his face to look like his normal like the human self when he goes to work and that he looks like Paul Bundy, which is a, should be a dead giveaway. Yeah. You would think they would know, <laughs> but I mean, it took me a while after I saw the first episode to decide not if I liked it. Cause I liked it, but to decide how much I liked it because it is so strange. It's strange to watch these broadly obvious jokes play out, but there's a purpose there's a purpose to the fact that they, that they work the way they do and they only work to a certain level because that's what those shows were. So, I mean, I think it's brilliant, but man, is it ever weird? Uh, is it going to be everyone's cup of tea? I guarantee you they're going to people who are going to be people. I mean, Marvel fans who are going to watch this and say, what the hell did I just watch? What are they doing? This is awful. I don't think they're right, but I get it right. because it's very, odd and, un and unusual but so far totally on board i think it's very very cool uh what stood out for you other than in general how you feel about it well there were several references to sword um, yes. and not just in that post in that pre-credit end of show sequence yeah um, throughout there's and if you don't know sword it's the kind of the replacement for shield Mm -hmm. And if you don't know S.H.I.E.L.D., you haven't watched any of the Marvel movies, and you should probably check that <laughs> first. Yeah. Um, you, got some, you got some watching to do. I was amused by the, uh, the the first commercial that they did in the first episode was for something from Stark Industries. Yeah. Uh, the commercial in the second one was a, uh, a Strucker watch, mm -hmm. um, which still had the Hydra logo. And I, I went back and looked this up because... Uh, Baron Strucker was the, the Hydra bad guy at the beginning of Age of Ultron. Yep. I'm kind of like, what happened to him? So about 15 minutes into the Ultron movie, we find out that uh, NATO apparently has Strucker somewhere. Okay. 
Um, I did notice that uh, there's an actress, and I apologize for mispronouncing your name. If I do, I might get it right. Who knows? Uh, Tayona Paris uh, was in the second episode. She was... Uh, and this is kind of odd, because there aren't... And I, I apologize for the way I'm going to phrase this. There are not a lot of non-white people uh, in this series so far. She's the black lady. Yeah. And I, I can, I, I only, I'm only saying that because she, I think, is the only one, which is the way things happen back in on TV. You don't see a lot of African-American people. The only but, black, the only black lady. Yeah. Uh, she awesome. plays Monica Rambo, who, if you remember from <laughs> the Captain Marvel movie, is the, the little girl of uh, Captain, Mar- of, of her friend. She grows up and becomes a Captain Marvel on her own in the books and might be doing that here. Who knows? Uh, if you look at IMDb, you know that Darcy from the Thor movies is supposed to be in here at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's enough here to make me go, I think there's going to be some interesting things going on. The cracks in their reality, I think, were, were great. I agree. Especially the coloring. Yeah, That'll yeah. make sense when you see it. Yep, especially um, the color. It just had some very interesting stuff, and I want, I I want to know more. And, so I got to wait till next week. And the beekeeper, which I like, uh, in a way, yeah. I wish we could just binge it and watch all nine episodes, and yay, that was awesome. But it's not exactly a terrible thing to have to wait a week. To, the way you used to have to do, yeah. Which I like that. Um, one of the things too that is. Because for one thing, you can't just like get your trial and then binge on Man- WandaVision and then cancel. So yeah, smart move. Got to keep it for a couple months. I, yeah. I do like the fact that they released the first two episodes though, because the first episode is just so strange and so WTF that the second episode really helps tie that in together. Just the the oddness of it, and you you see what's you get a good picture of what's happening and you get more of the background and you get the beekeeper, which is cool. And I'm not going to say anything else, just that. So WandaVision again, uh, it might not be your cup of tea or soda or coffee or whatever, but definitely, definitely watch it with an open mind. Cause it is very weird and out there but I think you will really, really enjoy it. And it looks like it's going to be headed in some very cool directions. And you got to remember, this is setting up all of the next entire phase of Marvel. This is the beginning of phase four. So this is going to tie into a lot of things for sure. The, you know, at some point, Quicksilver is supposed to pop up. Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. and this just floated across my desk. Guess who has been spotted on the set of Spider-Man 3? Yes, there is more news. Uh, guess who is spotted not just on the set of Spider-Man 3, but as wrapping his part of Spider-Man 3, if you're t- thinking of the same person I'm thinking of. Well, uh, I was thinking of Charlie Cox. Were you thinking of Charlie Cox? Charlie Cox. They said that he is not spotted on this, just spotted on the set, but wrapped his part of it. So, so much for the... Just, oh my gosh, I hope he's in it stuff is like, I don't care if it's just a cameo. Hopefully it's more than that, but, that great. but 
But unless he's just walking on as, oh, look, there's the plumber. Charlie Cox is Daredevil moving forward, which is fantastic news. Absolutely fantastic news. Maybe he'll show up on WandaVision. They need a lawyer <laughs> for something. They will need a lawyer for something. I'm, sh- I'm sure Vision, which everybody just calls him that too, which is which is part of the, the humor in this to me is his friends call him Vision or Vision. And it's like, how is that even a name? <laughs> and that's just part of part part of the insanity of this of this reality that they're in, regardless of who built it. And yeah, I agree with you. I don't think Wanda built it in this case, but uh, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, the the thing I'm looking forward to uh, that I think most people are, I'm sure you are too, is oh, how is Wanda going to react when she finds out that this isn't real? Mainly that there is no vision anymore. At least there wasn't last time we left the Marvel universe. So she ain't gonna yeah. be happy. So yeah, that'll be a nice way to set up Doctor Strange for sure. So it'd be very, very cool. Okay, really so looking forward to it. I wanted to ask you this because I know you watched something else. Was WandaVision the weirdest new show to come out this week? Or was there something else that was weirder? Well, I it didn't come out this week. It's been out okay. for quite a while. But yeah, I actually think it's weirder than WandaVision. Uh, has nothing to do with Marvel. This is a series that is on HBO Max. Um, and I think it might be an actual HBO Max original as opposed to an HBO series. It's Raised by Wolves, a science fiction series from Ridley Scott. So you know it's got a uh, nice pedigree at least. Uh, premises, Earth is totally screwed up. Gee, I've never heard that premise before. Uh, not taking it to task because just, you know, it's one of those things. So Earth is screwed up. People are going off to look for a new planet. They find a new planet. They send androids off with human embryos because just the premise it'll be an easier trip whatever so they show up and the androids are supposed to raise the the humans once they birth them things don't go that well uh in the initial episode like uh they just don't go that well one of the androids has some problems because that happens in science fiction a lot so it's not like it's original in anyone an original premise, but it's very well done. So they're taking a lot of these tropes that we've seen over and over and over, but it's done extremely well. Very interesting in watching these androids raise their children because they view them as their children. They're own, they're honest with them and they tell them that yes, we're androids and blah, blah, blah. And this is what happened and et cetera, et cetera. But there are a couple of really odd background pieces to this. Uh, Apparently this was a religious war. So the androids have been tasked to raise their children as atheists, like clearly, like literally saying, yes, we're raising you as atheists because religion destroyed your home. So no, no religion. Uh, So that's kind of an odd out there in your face premise. I I think it's cool. I just surprised that you would go with that. I'm going to say it's as good an idea as I think it is. (laughs) <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so 
things don't quite work out already in the first episode. Second episode, and I've only watched the second episode, we, we backtrack and we see uh, some of the humans because lots of humans survived, and there is some conflict with humans towards the end of the first episode. So you follow one of the humans in that and kind of see their path to uh, getting to this planet. Um, more children show up, and you'll just have to watch to see how the other children show up, and there's some... Mm, conflicts going on between the new the newer children and the other children from the first group uh some conflicts between the androids because they view things differently and they have arguments and disputes which is interesting the two androids who are mother and father and then of course there's more interesting things that happen when the actual uh when the colonists i guess you would say show up from from earth because they are religious so there's a conflict between them and the androids lots of conflict in this but i mean just the, f it, the premise is so interesting and again it's not the premise of these androids raising the children it's the premise of religion destroyed earth and the way to save it mankind moving forward is without religion and it's not presented as this is the right way. It's not presented as the religious group is incorrect. It looks like that at first, but there is depth to this as it goes along. So there's, there's a lot of dramatic interplay between the androids, because even though they're androids, they do have personalities, which is nice. Uh, a lot of conflict between all the characters, because that's what good drama is based on. It looks terrific. I mean, they didn't make this like for a dollar ninety-eight. I mean, this is really, really well done. There are some very interesting reveals as you go along. And again, this is I'm just two episodes in. Uh, again, this is on HBO Max. They're in the second season now, so I've just started it. But just the fact that they have the guts to bring up religion as a potential point of conflict as in religion versus atheism, because we don't see that a lot in, in fiction and certainly not in science fiction. And it's presented extremely well. And that's, again, that's like the basis of it, but that's not what everything, it's basically, it's uh, like a family drama with uh, aliens, because yes, there are aliens, not, not the xenomorph type that you know we we're thinking of but there are alien creatures there are, there are androids which can be maybe good maybe bad and there of course there are people and of course people can always be good or bad so yeah i don't just want to give away too much of this other than to say uh there's a reason it's called raised by wolves and again on hbo max they're in season two of this so far it's really really good and yeah, you can tell Ridley Scott had a hand on this. So good, good stuff for sure. I've and seen the ads, see... but I had not seen it yet. So okay, now I'm more curious. And apparently season two has not even begun yet. So I lied. I was just looking at the IMDB listing. So no season two yet. So there you are. But uh pretty sure there will be a season two because it's not on netflix so they won't just chop it just because oh look five people stopped watching it because that's what netflix seems to do 
So HBO Max, which again, if you have HBO, HBO Max is free for that one. And WandaVision is on Disney Plus, which is not too expensive and probably a good thing to have in your home when you shouldn't be going to the movie theaters for the most part. And in cases like mine, you can't because they're not open. That's true. And I do have one more. Uh Uh-oh. One more film. And this is a film which came out late last year and mainly just came out this year, though. And this is also on another but streaming service, Amazon Prime. One Night in Miami has nothing to do with the genre we usually talk about. Is it a sequel to One Night in Bangkok? Thank God, no. Okay. Uh, This is uh, about um, occurrence. This is based on a true story, very loosely based, because the only person who's still alive who was there for the conversations is, is not talking. But this is based on the night Muhammad Ali first won the world championship. So he was friends with Jim Brown, which I knew. He was the running back. Yes, close close friends with Malcolm X, of course, which I think most everybody knew. Didn't know that he was also friends with Sam Cooke, the singer. Oh, that's cool. Uh, this is about a conversation, well, a series of conversations that they all had that night. One night in Miami, because that's where the fight took place, and they went out to celebrate, and instead of going to some big, cool club, they went to Hampton House, which is a motel, kind of restaurant complex, just a regular little motel in Miami, but appeared to be one of the hot spots for the black community back in the sixties. So they're just hanging out and talking. Um, one benighted sad ass reviewer said, it's like his comment. I don't have it right in front of me. basically said, well, if you like good acting and good dialogue, it's, it's okay. But I like something more in my movies is like, Oh, you're one of those dumbasses who can't wait for fast and furious 17. Cause there's no, Nothing, no cars blow up in this. It's like, what the <laughs> f- else do you want in a movie? Why did you even watch this? Anyway, so Muhammad Ali, of course, and if you don't know the story, Muhammad Ali converted to Islam, announced that he converted to, to the nation of Islam the morning after this fight. So there's a lot of discussion between him and Malcolm X and how to do this. Malcolm X was in the midst of splitting off from the nation of Islam. Uh, at this time, uh, Jim Brown was giving serious consideration to leaving pro football because he was moving into acting because you can act for a lot longer than you can play pro football. And he had other aspirations. And Sam Cooke was struggling with how to make his feelings n- about black empowerment known. Because at this point, he was, he was one of the most popular soul singers and pop artists going. But he wanted to do more. And he wasn't quite sure how to do that. And there's a lot of talk about, between all the characters, about how best to do this and how best to lead the way. Um, and all of them had iconic moments, a couple of them, the very next day. Uh, some of them a few months later. Um, there's footage of Sam Brown, uh, Sam Brown, Sam Cooke singing change is going to come, which he would actually working on 
according to the story, he was working on that. And from what I've read, he was already working on the story. He just hadn't released it. The song hadn't released it at that point. Released it later that year. So, I mean, these are four pretty important icons of the movement and just their conversations. And the conversations are based on things that they had said publicly. So it's not like, oh, this is, they never said any of this crap. They said a lot of this. It's just not particularly known if they'd actually said it, you know, that evening. But I just thought it was absolutely fascinating. The, the actors, and I haven't watched a lot of Sam Cooke. I mean, there's footage of him available, obviously, lots of stuff, to, to know how well the actor nailed him. But I can tell you the actor playing Muhammad Ali, the actor playing Jim Brown, and the actor playing Malcolm X all do an amazingly good job of inhabiting those characters of the speech patterns and the voice. Uh, I mean, it's just really, and not that that's that critical because they're portraying the emotions when that's what's really what matters and they're terrific. Um, this, this is just an absolutely great movie, One Night in Miami. Um, I don't know if any of them will get support for best actor because it's one hell of a strong ensemble piece. And how would you pick one over the other three? So, but one of the coolest things about this is this is from a uh, first time director, Regina King, who's uh, been acting for a long, long time, but this is the first movie she's directed and wow, what a freaking job. So if you are interested in all in any of those four figures, just just as a fan uh, of Muhammad Ali, the boxer, or Jim Brown, the football player, is like you should watch this. Um, Sounds cool. Fascinating, and I, I love movies when there's a lot of interplay. When when there's just people talking, saying interesting things, and man, this movie is absolutely full of it. And has some recreations of iconic moments like when Ali beat Liston. And, and wisely, he did not attempt the Ali shuffle because there's not many people whose feet are fast enough to do that. So the boxing looks really good, though. I mean, so, yeah, everything is just really, really well done. Very good stuff. And bonus for genre fans, the uh, gentleman who plays Jim Brown, Aldous Hodge, he will be Hawkman in Black Adam. Ooh. So there you go. See, tied it all back to the... <clears throat> Damn it, we've come full circle again. We have indeed. So... Funny I mean, how that, we that, do that. It, it, we're, we're clever that way. We are. We is. We am. So something, something like what that. What we have done yet again is given you four really good things to watch. Actually, that's kind of rare for us. Usually we come up with one or two <laughs> things to watch. And some yeah, really. This was a rarity. The plague. But speaking of the plague, it's yeah. still outside. And we've given you four things to watch at home. So you know what? Stay home and watch a movie or WandaVision. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engine. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am... Very disappointed! Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but, uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone.